So good to be together. Pastor Jared, welcome back. Um, we missed you, man. Um, I was singing a song this past, uh, this past couple of weeks. I was like, Jared, come back. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong. But my voice isn't that good. But welcome back. Um, it's good to be with you. I, I tend to uh, just jump into 1 Peter, and I pick up on the beginning of each chapter. So um, I was in chapter 2 before, and now I get to... Uh, preach on chapter 5. So we're jumping back into 1 Peter, the last chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So um, if you're able to, will you please stand as we read um, this text together this morning. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, says this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, As well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not dominating over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, Lead Like Jesus. Lead Like Jesus. And it's an encouragement to the church and to the church leaders who function as overseers. And so the first thing we notice as we jump into this text is is Peter begins to talk to elders. Now, pastors and elders and overseers, they're they're interchangeable in the New Testament um, when we read it. And so basically an overseer describes the responsibility An elder describes the maturity, and the pastor describes the ministry, the responsibility, the maturity, and the ministry. And so when we think about these different words, overseer, elder, pastor, think about that. An overseer is the general responsibility of how to care for, how to keep guard of God's people, to look upon or to look after. An elder refers to the spiritual maturity of leading God's people. Maybe you've seen that. You've had some young pastors, lead pastors that are just early 20s and they lead a church and that might be too young. And then you also have pastors or shepherds and that's the primary ministry or calling of leading God's people. And so in the text we see that um, we see the call that Peter gives to church leaders, those called by God to care for his people until he returns. And so the focus that we're going we're gonna to double-click on and narrow in today is Peter is encouraging these church leaders to care for God's people, to care for Christians um, that are in their care. It's an encouragement for church leaders to show the same kind of servant leadership that Jesus did while he was here on earth. And so another title for the message might just be Shepherds Lead Like Jesus. So you might be sitting there and you're wondering, what does this have to do with me? Joe, I'm not a pastor, elder, what can I you know, maybe I'm going to tune this out. But a few things before we begin. First, all followers of Jesus are, all followers of Jesus um, have areas of responsibility. And you may not be a pastor, an elder over a congregation, but you are called to lead, whether that's at home or at work. And so you can use these tools, the information that we gather here today, in your areas of influence. Second, learning about other people's areas of ministry strengthens your own ministry and leadership. 
I remember having an internship where I just learned, um, my dad was the lead pastor, he's here today, and I, I, I did a free internship at the church, and I just learned from him, and I learned from the associate pastor, and the, and the worship director, and, and kids ministry, and youth ministry, I was just learning as an intern, and, and those, those, even though those weren't my primary areas of responsibility and oversight, I learned so much just by learning from them. And third, as we walk through these responsibilities of the church, it holds us leaders accountable for the leadership here at Bethany. It shows what God expects of church leaders. And so before we tune this out, because it's not written to, to non-pastor and elders, it's written to them, maybe ask this question, how does the characteristics of pastoral leadership inspire you as a follower of Jesus? How does the characteristics of pastoral leadership inspire you as a follower of Jesus? And we're going to look at today three responsibilities of church leadership. Three responsibilities. A good shepherd, a church leader, follows Jesus, serves Jesus, and looks to Jesus, the chief shepherd. A good shepherd follows Jesus, serves Jesus, and third, looks to Jesus, the chief shepherd. So as we jump into these, uh, these few verses, um, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much uh, just for this time um, that we can, we can learn. And Lord, I pray as we just look um, at this verse and, and apply it to how we are living today, Lord, that we will continually be shaped um, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we will continue to believe in the gospel in every area of our life. We love you. We thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 1, so therefore I exhort the elders among you. So it's been a while since we jumped back into 1 Peter, and so as a, as a refresher, Peter is a, uh, in previous chapters, Peter is addressing the relationship between the Christian community and the culture around them. Um, there's a lot of suffering going on. Christians are being accused, shamed, slandered. Um, they're being um, insulted, and so they're under a lot of pressure. And then as we hit chapter 5, Peter turns his focus to responsibilities within the church community, and he starts and begins by addressing leaders within the church, an encouragement for leaders to be faithful in their service. And so he writes this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter addresses the elders, and the first thing we take a look at is a good shepherd follows Jesus. A good shepherd, a church leader, follows Jesus, has a true relationship with Jesus. A few weeks ago, Brandon, our youth director, and I, we took some of our high school students up to a camp, and it was really fun. We love camp ministry, highly recommend it. You could do so much in a week um, with students than you could than you can um, just touching base with them every single week. And so camp ministry is... It's just wonderful. And so we took these students up there. We kind of got settled into camp, um, got our cabin assignments, got some dinner. And then we met up with a different group, and we were assigned with two or three other churches, um, a larger team, and that was for games and outdoor competition. And so whenever you're a leader, you want to look at the other churches in hopes um, that they have a lot of athletes that are going to join your team because these are outdoor competitions. Rec is every single day. And so summer camp rec is all about gains. It's not about brains. You want the older, bigger students on your team. I remember one year I had, um, we gathered with a couple of the churches for our rec team, for our competitions team, and it was just full of seniors. And I was just like, yes, and they were athletic seniors. Um, if you've ever seen um, seniors that are fully bearded, these were the guys. Half, <laughs> half, of the, uh, half of the students had full beards. 
and a couple of them were like over six foot. There was one guy that was like six foot four, and so if you ever seen a six foot four, 250-pound man-child running around in a giant bubble ball, um, that's the guy we had on our team. He absolutely dominated. They were chasing these seniors around all week and just being like, will you please blob me? We had a lot of fun. And so our Bethany students were teamed up with two other churches, and uh, I, was, I was just hoping to get some of the athletes. I was hoping to get the A team. However, our team consisted mostly of freshmen and sophomores, and they paired us up with some more freshmen and some more sophomores. And at camp, none of these kids had their phones, and so they were literally just like looking at the grass and like wandering <laughs> off. I'm like, we are going to lose. No energy, no competition, and uh, they weren't even trying. And so I kept on thinking, hey, if we're not going to win recreation, we might as well make some friends. And so I went up to one of the youth directors of another church. We started talking, and after getting to know him a little bit, um, I was asking him, hey, tell me more about your students. And he said, well, a lot of my students are unchurched. Their parents, they live in a really affluent area next to the water, and a lot of the parents just go, and they drop them off midweek. And he said that only about like one or two of the students know really anything about the Bible, anything about God. So I began to think about that, and I was like, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a problem, right? And the problem is they don't know Jesus, and the solution is let's give them Jesus. And so I began to ask him, what are, you, what are you teaching through? How are you discipling your students? What does your midweek look like? What does your relationships look like? Do you have leaders that are invested in these students? And it was just a church that didn't have a lot of resources but, but has, had been around for a, for a long time. And uh, the youth director just kind of said, no, we don't really go through anything. We just kind of meet and hang out for a little bit. We go through this old handbook, and uh, he wasn't fully aware of, of the gospel in his life and how to grow in the gospel. And um, I just basically listened to him for a few minutes, and he said nothing about Jesus. And so I was just wondering, like, man, this is, this is crazy that these students were missing not only the gospel message, but they were missing a shepherd to lead them and to feed them in the ways of Jesus. And luckily that week we had an amazing speaker who was preaching the gospel every single night, preaching that God's word is true, that his his works are sufficient, and that his ways are better. And it was just a really good time to see that group and that leader um, hopefully grow in their relationship with Jesus. And I know this is kind of a sad example of students that don't have a shepherd, but the first mark that we see here in the text is the first mark of responsibility is a, is a true leader is to be a true disciple of Jesus. A true shepherd is a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. They know Jesus and Jesus knows them. And we can't move beyond this point because there are some pastor elders, there are some people who have oversight over church and yet they still miss Jesus. We see the Pharisees, the religious leaders during Jesus' day, they, they, they knew the scriptures, they thought they were doing good, but they were missing Jesus completely. And Peter was not only a true follower of Jesus, but he cared for and came alongside God's people. And we can see how Peter was a true follower of Jesus with three things that we notice from the text. Three things to notice how Peter describes himself and the people that he is speaking to, these pastor elders. Peter was an elder first, a witness, and then also in the text we see that he's a partaker. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. An elder, Peter speaking to elders, he calls himself a fellow elder. And so we notice the humility as we kind of jump into the text. We notice the humility here when he says, I'm a fellow elder. Peter could have easily said, I'm the chief elder, I'm the greatest, I'm the rock. 
I'm one of Jesus' 12 disciples. I'm part of his inner three. I'm the spokesman for the apostles. I'm a witness of Jesus' life. I'm a witness of Jesus' resurrection. I'm the pillar of the Jerusalem church. Yet no, Peter identifies himself as a fellow elder. He takes a less exalted title, not a superior one. And we see that throughout the New Testament, that God does not show favoritism. So the first kind of thing that we see here is that a pastor elder should be humble. Identify with others, not above others. And nobody wants this just in life. Nobody wants to be talked down to to make them feel like they're less. Nobody wants to see someone else as, oh, they're more holy or more important than I am. And what's even more shocking is the next thing that Peter jumps into. He says, I'm a witness. A witness to what? He could have said, I'm a witness to Jesus' life. I was with him for three, three and a half years. He could have said, I'm a, I'm a witness to Jesus' resurrection, but he says, I'm a witness to the sufferings of Christ. How did Peter do at being a witness to Christ's sufferings? If you recall, before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus denies Jesus three times. He wasn't a good witness. They said, are you with this man? I don't know what you mean. I don't know this man. I don't know this man. And then the rooster crowed three times after Peter denied Jesus, and he went out and wept bitterly. And then we see in John chapter 21 where where Jesus restores Peter. He says, do you love me? Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter says he's a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And the point, this points to the redemptive work, the forgiveness and restoration that only Jesus can bring. Peter didn't share the, his highlight reel. He led with a limp. He showed his weakness and the strength of his Savior. He identified with the church as an elder. He identified as a witness to Christ's sufferings that he came to die for our sins. And even though Peter was an, an eyewitness, personally saw and experienced Jesus' journey to the cross, We are all, especially church leaders, called to tell other people about what we have heard and experienced through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The last thing we see here is is Peter is not only a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, he's also a partaker, a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Peter is a participant. He's a part of God's family. This speaks to Christ's second coming. Peter's going to be with Christ when he returns. Peter, a fellow elder, he has sinned, he has repented, he's been restored, and he will share with Christ in glory. And so the first mark we take a look at is a good shepherd, a church leader, is a follower of Jesus, someone who identifies with the church as a leader, an overseer, someone who has witness to Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, and someone who will partake in Christ's future glory when it is to be revealed. And so the first mark is a Christian leader is a follower of Jesus. We have the same good news to tell. We're focused on that good news. And we can't, be, we can't wait to be a part of what, what is to come um, in our lives. So the second mark is not only that a good shepherd is a follower of Jesus, a good shepherd serves Jesus. A good shepherd serves Jesus. We see that in verse 2 through 3. Read with me. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not for not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. Shepherd the flock of God. We recognize that we, we are God's people. Church leaders are to come alongside God's people. They are not their own people. 
So often I've been at conferences with other pastors and leaders, especially lead pastors. They, the first thing they do is they go to each other and they just go, how's it going? Here's my name. How big is your church? And so they all shake each other's hands and just pretty much just say, how, how, how big is your church? We do that in youth ministry too. We go like, hey, how big is your youth group? What are you, what are you doing? But God has a different metric than that. It's not just about our building, our facilities, how big they are. It's not how many people attend our services and sit in the seats. It's not how big the budget is. How about this question? Is a better question to ask? How does your church leader follow and serve Jesus? How, is your staff and, how are your staff and leaders doing? That is what Jesus measures. That's what God focuses in on. People following him and serving him. And shepherds are called to care for God's people, not their people. And listen to the next part. It says, God's people among you. It's basically meaning shepherds must be present. You can't oversee a church if you are not present. I was down in San Diego doing ministry for a number of years, and uh, they, they do a lot of live streams. Um, some mega, church, uh, mega churches are down there. And even the mega churches understand this, that when they do their, their campus and satellite campuses and they do live streams, that they still need a pastor present. And so they, they've, they've put campus pastors at all these different locations. They recognize that pastors need to be present. Elders need to be present. The church needs present leaders, not isolated ones. And one of the things you should notice on Sunday mornings and throughout the week um, other than vacations and, and mission trips and, and mer- emergencies, is that our pastor elder teams are here. We're doing ministry on and off campus, and you, you should be able to see us up close in person because that's how God designed it. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And Peter calls the elders to faithful leadership and oversight, and he gives these leaders three key ways to shepherd. The first is willingly, eagerly, and as an example. Willingly, eagerly, and as an example. And that's been my prayer just this week. Joe, are you willing? Are you eager? Are you setting an example? The Apostle Paul has a lot to say about pastors and shepherds and elders, but Peter has three main things to say, three qualifications, three responsibilities for these pastor leaders, along with three warnings. The first is willingly. Church leaders should be willing leaders. They should be willing leaders. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. And the warning here that we see is the first warning is against laziness. Be willing leaders. It's a warning against laziness or the love of leisure, comfort, and ease. So the point is serve the church willingly leaders, not lazily not out of compulsion, not out of obligation. God wants willing leaders. He wants leaders that show up and say, I want to be here versus I have to be here. God wants us to say, I, we get to be here. Now, some of the functions in the church are not always enjoyable. As a pastor here, um, I told you the story of when I was putting away Christmas decorations and I fell through the attic into the old baptismal. That was not fun. <laughs> come uh, come Christmas time, I, I get a little nervous thinking that something's going to happen to me. Um, or what about this past week when first day of school, we start here and, and Edison is over there and they shut down all of our power. And we have, we have the leaders here and, and everybody trying to figure out what to do. I saw Dan, he went to Home Depot and he bought a bunch of flashlights. That's not always fun. Or even if you're not in church leadership, um, if you're not a pastor elder, but you're still just in leadership, 
What about if you're in the nursery changing diapers and caring for fussy kids, being away from family during different meetings? If you're here and you have to clean up outside in this 100-degree heat or painting a classroom like we've seen the last couple of weeks on your day off or leading a Bible study week after week, having to prepare ahead of time, are we, as the people of God, willing Are we going the extra mile? Do we live a life of saying yes, or do we live a life of just saying, I guess, I guess I have to? You see, when people feel obligated to do something, it creates resentment. So one of the questions um, that I want to ask just us together is, are we serving out of joy, or are we serving out of obligation? We all have areas of leadership at work, at home, with our spouses and kids. And if you're asking, how do I, am I serving in the right place? My question to you is, do you enjoy it? Is it aligned with where God has gifted you? Are, you? are you willing to show up or are you just wanting to go home? Are you willing to show up or are you just wanting to go home? So church leaders should be willing leaders. I get to versus I have to. We can learn from that as well. We should be willing people of God. We get to versus we have to. The second is eagerly. Church leaders should be eager leaders. It says in verse 2, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And this second warning is against greed, the love of money or fame or honor. And the point is, serve the church eagerly, not greedily. Serve the church eagerly, not out of greed, greedily. Uh, greedily. God desires eager leaders that are more concerned with what they can give versus what they can get. I remember my dad, when I, when I wanted to go into uh, full-time um, ministry, he just said, if there's anything else, Joe, that you want to do, do that. He like literally said that. I was like, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else I want to do? If there's anything else you want to do, Joe, do that. Because he was saying, are you doing it for the right reason? You know you're entering into a simple life, not an extravagant one. And so that was a, a, a word of wisdom. First Timothy 6.5 says, watch out for the temptation to make godliness a means of gain. And this takes different forms in the church. And we can see that with older, um, older leaders um, we can ask the question, why don't you retire? And they just say, I can't afford to. Why don't you do something else? And they say, I just don't know what else to do. And so they go through the motions and they're leaving the church crippled. Or what about the people that have just been serving in a role so long, but yet they have lost the joy for it? We are losing leaders, young and old, who serve willingly and serve eagerly. The third is this, set an example. Church leaders should be an example it says in verse 3, not dominating over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The last warning is against pride. The last warning is against pride, the power, the love of power or prestige. And so the point is serve the church by leading by example, not force. Serve the church by leading by example, not force. God desires humble leaders, not proud leaders. And somewhere along the line, um, pastors and elders, we've I've seen it in the church, and I've heard podcasts on it. They've developed narcissistic leaders, power-hungry leaders in the church, driven. Um, maybe if they're successful, maybe they're driven, but they, they are dominating those in their charge. They're trying to be God instead of pointing people to God. And some of the traits of those types of leaders are self-reliant, indispensable, self-exalting, self-praising, self-seeking. It's basically 
obey because I told you, rather obey because God says. And we think about this in the Roman world, the Greco-Roman world, is they give orders and then they obey. And yet Jesus shows us a different way of living. He says, away with this type of thing, lead by example, lead with lowliness. One of the, one of the things that I loved about coming to this church and uh, getting on staff is that we had very humble leaders here when I first joined three years ago, and we've continued just to, I continue to see the humbleness within our leadership team. Jared, I'm, I'm so thankful to, to see your leadership here and to see just your life. The elders now, as we switch from deacons to elders, from Tom, Ron, and Smitty, you guys are good men. I'm so thankful that you guys lead by example. And I grew up in the church, and I've, I've been a part of the church, and I've, I've seen a lot of, and heard a lot of stories, and that is not always the case. Sometimes there's just a few, one or two leaders that, are, that, are, that join these teams but actually end up hurting it because they are entered into a place of authority and they're not eager, they're not willing, and they're not setting examples. And all of these things really work together. You can be willing but not eager. You can be eager but not willing. You can be willing and eager, but if you're not setting an example, it doesn't matter. These warnings are not just for church leaders. We all need them. It's a warning against comfort and ease, a warning against greed and dishonesty, a warning against living for power, prestige, and praise. We are called to serve God and his people willingly, eagerly, and as an example. And so a good shepherd, a church leader, follows Jesus, has a relationship with Jesus, serves Jesus eagerly, willingly, and as an example. And the last is this, looks to Jesus as the chief shepherd. Read with me verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Why does Peter say chief shepherd? John calls him the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. The writer of Hebrew calls Jesus the great shepherd, but Peter calls him the chief shepherd, which is the greatest shepherd. Jesus is the greatest shepherd, the one we look to for everything. And I'm kind of convinced as you read through this, as he's talking to pastors and elders, he's talking to shepherds and leaders, that he doesn't even want to put Jesus in the same category. You can't call Jesus a good shepherd and then call church leaders a good shepherd. So he just says he's the greatest shepherd. Verse 4 is, is a very powerful call for pastors and elders and leaders that they are under shepherds and followers of, of Jesus and they are to serve him. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This refers to Christ's return. Receive a crown. In the Greco-Roman world, crowns were awarded to athletes and soldiers, often worn by kings, but these earthly crowns would wither, they would rust, and they would fade away. Unfading crowns is a metaphor for eternal glory that never fades. Crown is a metaphor for heavenly life in general. What we do here on earth matters in light of eternity. And our reward is Jesus in church leadership. Our reward is the people of God. It's Jesus. I remember there was, this one, there was this one pastor that was teaching. He goes, you know what you get when you come into a relationship with Jesus? And we're all kind of like leaning and listening. He's like, you get Jesus. Like he, he's our reward. We're, we're to look to him. We get Jesus. And so spiritual leadership is essential for the church to thrive in this world. And you might have heard it like this. When the leader goes, so goes the church. So when pastor elders are following and serving Jesus well, the whole church will be able to look to Jesus, the chief shepherd, who provides our ultimate hope and comfort. So in closing, I just want to say this. It's, it's difficult being a leader. It's also difficult 
following. So whether you're in church leadership or just a part of the congregation, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. And he promised that he's going to be with us. In John chapter 16, Jesus said that I will send you another counselor. Another counselor is just like the first, that Jesus was our counselor and is our counselor, and he sends the Holy Spirit. And so we have God living within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is he's closer than us, than our skin, that he's with us if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he has given us godly leaders that we look to, and in the text we, we need to realize that they must be true followers of him, they must, they must serve him faithfully, and as we encourage one another together as we all um, learn within our areas of influence and leadership, we all point to Jesus, the chief shepherd, the greatest shepherd, for he is our motivation. He is the one we look to in everything, in every season. We don't serve and follow to please people. We don't serve and follow to be recognized. We don't serve and follow to command respect or to be in charge. We serve and follow because we want to worship Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much as the worship team comes up and we just enter into a time of communion and we reflect, Lord, on these few passages. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for the, for the, for the leadership team, Lord, that you have given this church. Lord, I pray for the elders. I pray for Pastor Jared and, and their wives. I ask, Lord, that you will just um, draw near to them, recognize, Lord, that you have called them, Lord, to this church. Thank you so much just for this opportunity that I get to, to pastor here and to oversee our kids and our youth ministry. I'm so honored by that, Lord. Thank you so much for all the leaders here, Lord, how Bethany has served and continues to serve. It's constantly a reminder, Lord, of your goodness, of your truth, and how much, Lord, that you, that you love us. Lord, we pray that that our relationship with you would be real, Lord, that we believe in you, and Lord, we automatically through that become your children. Lord, may our, our lives just reflect, Lord, your ways and your works and your word. We love you. We thank you. May you encourage us, us today and uh, the season, Lord, that we have ahead of, ahead of us. Lord, we pray for continued unity. We pray for continued love among our people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.